Welcome, everybody. My name's Chris Neto. I am here to make you and Joe laugh, apparently, because this is what we do. Um, let me give you a little background on why I'm here and why I'm jo- joined by, by Joe Dunbar. Um, first off, thank you to AV Nation and to Tim Albright for allowing us to use this platform to kind of air out our grievances. Uh, but this, I, I guess we can call the, uh, and I guess the producer will add this as kind of like a little graphic at the bottom, but let's go with the AV Nation special conference room cage match. That work? I think that works. So the background behind this, um, about a week or two ago, I appeared on AV Nation. You can uh, see uh, which one it is by uh, checking out the link below this. Uh, seeing what uh, this argument kind of started as, Joe uh, Dunbar, who is a friend and also a writer and a very famous, uh, uh, I guess, Minnesotan now, uh, formerly of Nevada uh, fame, uh, but now a very famous uh, author, writer, speaker, and uh, all-around know, uh, knowing-of-everything kind of guy from AV, wrote a very good article regarding uh you know, conference room designs and keeping it simple and some of the main points that are absolutely necessary when you design the space. So if you are fairly new to the industry and you got your first gig as a, you know, maybe as a salesperson or a project manager or better yet as an engineer, there's a couple things that are kind of the foundational building blocks to designing a good conference room. Now, in that conversation and in that article, Joe went on to list a couple different things. And I'll be, let me give you my background. So my background is I work as a distributor. I've worked with Joe for a distributor as well. So we, we both know each other. We both know our work and we know our style of work. Uh, but prior to that, in a former life, I was actually a technology manager. So I spent about 13 years on site with Corporate America, working uh, within the Corporate America structure, trying to figure out the best possible scenarios for conference rooms. And during that time, it went from dedicated rooms, dedicated presentation rooms, training rooms, uh, dedicated video conference rooms, uh, the crazy telepresence error that happened and kind of went through and dropped very expensive video conference rooms into the space. So I lived through this weirdness. But the one constant that was there was always the juggling of who owned the room and who owned the conference rooms and the overall kind of uh, scheduling behind it. And that's what caught my eye with Joe's article. So Joe, I took umbrage against uh, your article and went right after your scheduling thing. Uh, I have to admit, I just went right and jumped into LCD screens. Had nothing to do, my argument with the LCD screens. But here is your chance to explain what happened and where we're at. And uh, we're going to figure this out because we promised the online viewers that that was going to happen. So... There was. Chris ran a poll. Hey, uh, thanks to Tim, Mitchell, AV Nation, the whole team for allowing us this platform. And particularly, I made a squawk about it. So as Chris highlighted and laid out, right, I wrote an article about kind of the key points of a conference, just from my perspective and some of the things I like. One of the things I called out was a scheduling system, and therein uh, lies the uh, the heart of the beef that we are currently having here. Um I know Chris's history, and I do have uh, you know a lot of background working with people like Chris. But having not been a tech manager myself, this was uh, a good. I had to accept the feedback, squash the emotions, and then return to the topic to say, okay, you know, how real is this? And and this is where I've ended up. So, one of the things I called out for a really well, uh, not just a con- oh, not a well-functioning conference room, definitely, but like just a, a hybrid space and. 
that kind of revolved around this conversation because everybody's talking a lot about hybrid space and flexible spaces right now. And the conference rooms are part of that space, right? So when I got into scheduling systems, I call this out particularly because you have to deal <laughs> with all of these resources, both in terms of human resources uh, and your people and your physical resources in your space, especially because it's getting smaller. Um, I have to shout out to Megan Dutta right now because really to just kick this thing off, Chris, Megan is the only person who came out right away and called out. I didn't say anything about scheduling panels. And Megan said it. And you guys were like, brah, and you moved right on. Is, is this the point where I insert the, ins, you know, in, in the post-production add-in, you know, uh, you got a friend in me from Toy Story yes. uh, for you and Megan? I mean, yes. seriously, dude. I, I get why she, she, she w was quick to defend you because uh, – yeah, I jumped in exactly doing what you warned everybody that you were going to kind of remove yourself from. But I jumped in with emotion because the minute I hear scheduling, the trigger word and the thing that gets me triggered, like the young kids say, is the scheduling component. Now, scheduling is absolutely necessary. There's no way me and you can coexist in a space with one conference room and not know who is in that space. The unfortunate part is, is that I should have read a little bit more into the fact that you weren't exactly talking about the technology or physical technology in that, and that's where you're 100% right. You do need a scheduling component. Now, the physical component is where it gets weird, and then um, you have a host of choices that you can go in and, and choose for a scheduling component. I think that's great. I think that um, you know your idea behind scheduling also tying back to something that Jeremy said. You know, If it ties back to your phone, and that's what's in your hand. That's what's in your pocket. Ultimately, that's the ultimate device that should be doing this, uh, that should be kind of like deciding factors. But ultimately, my argument came back, and it's a tough one for you to argue against, uh, in my opinion, is culture. Because it is a cultural decision, and, a, and it's, it's lead by example. And that is the toughest part when you're doing this. Because if the, if the higher-ups within an organization or a corporation do not accept that that panel's decision is law, then you're back to square one. And all it's doing is telling you essentially that it is, you know, the John Wayne conference room or the, you know, right. room 404. And oh, and by the way, there just happens to be a meeting at two o'clock. Even though they're not here. Even though nobody showed up. Even though nobody showed up, you know, but you're spot on, man. So this is this is where we come together, and this is where you got a friend in me. I think plays out because you kicked, <laughs> really, you kicked off a really important conversation that wasn't even like a piece of that. Is like okay, so if the scheduling system is critical to making these pieces work and, and making all of this ecosystem function, and I believe that it is, uh, mm -hmm. one way or another, you have to figure it out. Um, the panels themselves and the way it's written and the way it's accepted. There's two pieces of those. One, I agree with you, nobody uses uh, scheduling panels. They're kind of just nice, very nice, expensive placards uh, giving you the room name. And two, you're right, culture is everything. Um, and that comes down to our integration partners really talking with their customers and understanding that like, when they deploy systems in a solution and create standards and do all sorts of these things to help them with their communication, um, that there's a component to it that a lot of people are just not talking about where it's like you need to involve uh, the communications team from your customer and they're not a stakeholder in this room per se they're not in this conversation at all but they need to be because that's they you know that's how the channel to determine how we're going to behave in a communications platform goes forward i'm a big fan 
Uh, I used to sell a solution. I'm not going to name it here. Uh, you can certainly DM me, and I'll give you the name of the one that I use. But there's a bunch on the market, and I don't want to turn this into an advertisement. But there's solutions out there that basically using room, like advanced room sensors uh, and software can manage all of this stuff for you, and then I think it lives on the phone. I agree. Like that's kind of my thing because that's my phone, my tablet, my company computer. Like it's accessible there. Um, and, and I think that's kind of the key to deploying a good system. If you have 50 desks and they're all kind of come and go desks that may have a keyboard, a monitor, and a mouse, but somebody sits down at, at nine and they leave at five and the person who sits there at nine the next day or whatever is not the same person, right? Mm-hmm. Um, these sensors and these systems can manage the room and cut it up into those chunks and say we've got a big room with this many desks and it can monitor in real time anonymously. And it can do the same thing for your conference rooms. It can tell you not just when it's in use or, or things like that, but something, Chris, that you and I have talked a lot about, and I'd love to hear you expand on just from a tech manager's perspective, um, is the, the, the analytics of what's going on in the room. So you can know and learn 10 people, book 10 conference rooms this week, and there should have been 50 people total, 10 meetings, 10 people, whatever. Um, but only five showed up to this meeting, and it was in this huge space. But in this other room, there was 12 people that showed up, and it was a tiny little space. And then you can use that to really kind of improve upon your facility. So in my world, that's what I see as, like, the scenario. Um, whether or not you have panels out on the door is up to you and how badly you want to you wanna spend some cash, I guess. I don't know. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, Are we coming together on this you- we're, we're definitely at the end. We are probably going to come together unless we raise another, you know, kind of point that we weren't expecting. But I'll be honest with you, man. I, I, I believe in analytics. Um, I feel sorry for companies that weren't tracking proper analytics prior to 2019. Uh, from 2019 on, analytics may or may not save you. But here's the problem uh, with analytics: all the data that you had prior to 2020 may not be worth a grain of salt right now, uh, right now. simply because yeah. the mindset of how everything is going to change is going to change, right? Um, I think that conference rooms and getting back to the office is inevitable at some point. Uh, I think that once everybody kind of, you know, kind of steadies the ship and they write what needs to be done in order for people to go back, it'll be great. I think that from day one, if not right now, they should start tracking what they're, what these rooms are going to be used because I keep hearing the term hybrid. And I've also taken some, some, some umbrage against this is because hybrid to me seems like an excuse. It's the cop-out kind of title because we don't know what that space is. So that's what you're saying. So hybrid, like this is a hybrid space is the cop-out mm-hmm. to be like, yes. yeah, we're going to put some yeah. stuff in there, but mm-hmm. we'll use it for everything. Joe, you, you are a salesperson slash engineer slash project manager slash creative. I'm going to call you a hybrid because I don't know what to call your job. How's that? You're okay right. with that. You're going to have to be okay with it because I just, I just titled you that, right? So the hybrid is used in other spaces, kind of like when you can't figure it out. And right now we don't know. We don't. Regardless of what metrics people insist that they have, you don't know until you're about a year, maybe two years into the post, 
you know, back to work conversation is where you're going to really truly find out how people are using the space. And those analytics are going to come in super handy because they're the ones that are going to design your space. And let's be honest, it's not that they are physically going to create the space. So don't freak out over the design engineers. You guys are not losing your job. But how they are going to design the space is that that is going to be the allocation of funds that is going to be necessary to build those spaces. And specifically, if every room needs to be a VC room, if they can be a video conference room, so be it. But if they're not validating that, then it needs to go back to the old presentation style, or maybe you have more than one flavor. Uh, that is where analytics come in more so than a scheduling panel outside. That's why on the show I said you can use whatever is you know, inherent to your scheduling systems. But that's saying that every room is a video conference room. So there I was wrong, and I have to explain, I am wrong for doing that. Now, I've seen corporations actually say, I'm just going to go ahead and make everything a video conference room. And if you use it, great. If you don't, the equipment's there, and we don't have to worry about, oh, I got a video conference room on the second floor, and it's occupied. That means I got to go to the next building. In some places, you have campuses. So... You know, they just flattened everything and just said, we're just going to do installed. And things are getting a lot easier with soft codecs that, and more affordable, obviously, for you to just convert every room into that kind of space. But I think the size and the people and the purposes are the ones that are now going to be in question because what we knew as a two person, you know, huddle space is not big enough for two people anymore if we're going to add social distancing and space for that kind of, of meeting spaces. And that was a very long answer, but go ahead, Joe. No, I love it. I love it. So we are kind of coming together here. Um, I agree with you on the analytics thing. I think I think the only real clash on this that we have left is the scheduling panel. And I can I don't need to die on that hill. I can join you guys in saying that I don't personally <laughs> love them. But but so this you raise an I'm not gonna die on that hill. I've died on a no. lot of hills, right? It doesn't need to be that one. One thing in particular, Chris, that you brought up that makes me like really want to expand on, you said, who owns the room? And uh-huh. when I was selling and working with customers and selling these systems, this was right early on in COVID. And when we sold these systems, here's all the functionality that we see with it. All the customers cared about was like, well, it keep everybody six feet apart. Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, it can do that too because it can track the spaces through. But when we were selling this stuff, I thought a lot about who owns the room because this is technology that mm-hmm. I was pitching to the building like the the whoever owns the facilities. real building and facilities it's not the yeah. individual companies and basically what it so we i think as, a, as an industry and i think this is where i would love to hear your thoughts and i think we need to get the av tweets and everybody kind of back in on this to see what they think because absolutely now we're changing not i don't want to say changing we're adding a new customer to the mix but the skill set and the things that you do to support of facilities and an entire building and the management of that entire building you're now into building automation this is not this is not a scheduling system for your company and there's a couple of panels on the wall. These are sensors in every hallway and room that help the building know how to behave and react, not only in terms of scheduling resources, but, you know, uh, dealing Dude, it, with it, all sorts of that things. That turns into a hot potato inside, you know, inside in-house meetings, which I've been present at, where, you know, they would bring me the AV person. Right. IT would be there because there was always an IT component or a networking component that was necessary. Facilities management would be there. Right. Building services. Um, they're building the room. Who has the you know, who owns not the conference room? Who owns the budget? So facilities had taken over this role of we're going to own the spaces. So they as owning the spaces, the one thing that they do not want to own 
is the money and the investment that goes in technology. That's where it gets weird. And the integration back into the building stuff where you're saying, yes, and this is now holistically or kind of just all meshed in together into the heart of the building, right? Because that is smart building. Smart buildings can and do exist. Um, but AV stands on a weird kind of outshoot because, yes, we are the displays. Yes, we are the technology. But the actual physical ownership of the space, we all know, is the company. But as you start getting down to the levels, right? On building three, I'll just, I'm going to use random stuff. Building three uh, for a research and development department whose other, you know, half is in uh, Paris, right? They need video conference rooms. The building floor calls for two video conference rooms and four presentation rooms because that's standard on a stack of a building. Now what? Because they want research and development to stay on the same floor and so they're going to ask for two more rooms. Somebody folds. Now they get four conference rooms. They're only there for, say, six months before they restacked the buildings again and right. moved R&D to, to, to more of a laboratory, like a laboratory environment. Then all of a sudden now you have accounting. Who doesn't need to talk to anybody and just needs rooms to kind of have meeting and presentations? Just a calculator in a closet. <laughs> Who owns that? Here comes the budgets. It's the conversation I had with Tim. Yeah. It is whoever's on that floor, it's got to be kind of agreed to. And that's part of the building, um, the building facilities management and the corporation has to decide, you know, are we going to have cookie cutter ABC style flavored rooms? Do we lay out every floor the same in the same way that retail companies, you know, always put X at the front of the store and Y at the back of the store to make you go back there, right? And right. those right. analytics, you know, and those heat maps that stuff that we could have been doing years ago, which we weren't, would have came in handy. How do people enter a building? Do they come in and they automatically go to the right? Are they attracted to a TV or a display that's showing news? Do they huddle around there? Oh, you want people in that space? Do you add a coffee maker? It's not technology, dude. It's humans and how humans kind of interact in the space. So there are people much smarter than me out there studying this. There are technology out in place. There are companies, furniture companies have been doing this kind of study for a while, but it's furniture based, right? right. One of the examples that I use and Mark, uh, one of our buddies, Mark Coxon has, has talked about it a couple times where I solved a room usage problem in a room that was a cookie cutter to all the other rooms technology wise. It was a video conference rooms. It sat six people. It had microphones on the table. It had an extra phone in the room. The one thing it didn't have, which created a low usage or low bookability, we did not add a credenza. And those rooms with credenzas were used more because food was delivered into the room and right. lunch was put on the credenza, which made the room more usable. So I solved the problem by not adding technology, but using technology to realize that there was the, that's the one room on the floor that did not get credenza for some reason. We put a credenza there. Yes, for those that are watching this, the solution could have been, and it was for a little bit, putting a folding table with the food outside, but that food was stolen, right? And the, the people that- I came that, by lunchtime and was like, mm, BLT, buddy. There's, there's a BLT and, and, and there's a Fanta and I'm taking it, right? So to prevent that, you're putting that into the room. So people were avoiding that room because they couldn't book it for lunch or for all day events. So they weren't booking it, but Not it took me physically sitting outside the room watching.
And and frankly, you know, to our point, like if you're driving it, if you're pulling analytics and you're measuring this stuff and you're looking at it as an ongoing thing, um, then you're going to go to yourself, hey, it's been six months. We put all this money in here. Nobody's using this room. Why? Yep. Um, and, it, you know, it takes a while to get there to just – there's so much that we kind of recapped and went over. Go ahead. You got something? You don't You don't want to be that guy, dude. You don't want to be the guy who just spent no. hundreds of thousands of dollars on technology to improve the experience, which you think is improving the experience, and then the rooms sit there empty and not used. And that is a major fear as a technology manager. And if I'm – as a technology manager at that time, if I'm not feeling it, I'm going back to the people that designed the space or the installers that installed the space and said – we have to figure out why this isn't working, yeah. right? Whether it was, and for, and I have to admit, I mean, I'm a veteran of, of AV integration for 20 plus years, man. I got to say, there's been times where I overcomplicated the room because I added a thousand panels, yeah. you know, flip pages to a control room panel that I absolutely could have just reduced down to five and made it life a lot easier. Yeah, I And think it I took me a long time to understand that in my career to finally get the point that I speak AV where that, you know, scientist who's out here trying yeah, they to, they don't have to, they don't have to, they don't know it. So, all right, Joe, your article, dude, explain, explain what I, ultimately your point was about the scheduling and the organization and the, and how to use the space in order to turn around a good ROI, correct? In order to provide a good experience for what the intended purpose of the rooms or space were. Yeah, pretty much. But we raised this while we're sitting here talking. Go ahead. Sorry. Go, go. So how does scheduling tie back to an experience? Because that is one of those, you know, I can paint a room a certain color and give you a nice feeling of being in the room that's nice and airy, right? I can play color psychology on you. I can I can put like uh, Polly had been doing some uh, with Plantronics at the time. We're doing some water sounds in the back to kind of give you that whole biophilia kind of thing. Yeah. How does scheduling come back and affect the exp or the overall experience of a room? Absolutely. Uh, I'm offsite employee A. I book a space. I show up and people are in there. I'm sour. Um, I'm now on-site employee B. I book a space. I go use it. Somebody else shows up thinking that they are entitled to it. So however that works, I, there just there has to be a way to allocate those things, and you can't really have a an actual gatekeeper. But we've raised – I think the core of all of this, Chris, that we've uncovered in this uh, conversation is really to me the fact that this is not technology that you purchase and put in a room mm -hmm every couple of years and walk away from like, this is an ongoing thing. And I don't just mean in terms of the technology in the room to our point, And I say our point because I, your point, and I'm just, I'm, I'm adopting it because I couldn't agree more. You really need to focus on the room, how it's being used. Uh, and I think there are systems that can do that. I would love to hear what some other folks are thinking. So. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. And now I will raise another bad point here before we close out, because it'll probably lead to, to more discussion online than, than, than good. You know, whose responsibility is to seek this? Like, is it A, the AV designer space builder, right? Now, now we, we get into conversations about AV as IT, right? What does IT have to, you know, what's, what's their stake in, in this kind of user experience where we have room 
you know, they're not physic. you know, are they physically putting in the technology because it's video conferencing or is it because, you know, is it, it, does AV and IT take a hit because a credenza wasn't delivered? Is it facilities? It, it gets to be a very weird conversation because as integrators and, um, you know, as, as, as technology managers, you want the best experience. So you have to be in touch with the users, which I'll be honest with you, how many people in our business really are interacting with the day-to-day -day users of the space? Unless you're knee-deep into a project, it gets really tough to hear, how are you guys gonna use this space? Or better yet, we've built Model A and Model B, how are you using the space? Unless we're pulling analytics and going, you're not using this for, for presentations, your full video conference, we can see by the data. But it's a very gray area when it comes to building the right space for the right person. I think the, a, a great salesperson, a great engineer, a great integrator can sit with the, the, the space users uh, prior to the next build and, and figure it out. I know that we did hybrid rooms or all these different type of rooms. Uh, when we were moving into open space and there were iterations one through seven, we went through seven different trial and error of how to figure out what was the best space and how to best use the space. And, you know, we went to data, we went to analytics, and then we went and interviewed people as on-site people. Integrators need to get access to those people. It's not just talking to the CFO. It's not just talking about the head of IT guy. You need to talk to the people that are on the floor and really get More the better idea. those other people. More, yeah, than more so than anything else. I think they're they're the ultimate key to what the space is and going forward with the new, you know, hybrid rooms. All right. Interview people that are in the office more than two days a week, because if you're only there, you know, a half a day, does it really matter? I mean, you're just looking for a, a landing spot. Right. But if you're going to be in there and you are truly a hybrid worker where you have to be there three, four days a week. And maybe on the, the other day you flex and you go do something else or you're on the road. How do you want that space? Is that space permanent? Is it is it a completely integrated, full-blown AV space? Or is it a table with, you know, with a speakerphone and a great display, right? It, it really requires a, good, a lot of investigation. You know, we talk a lot about data scientists. Those guys are going to be or those those people are going to be actually looking at how the spaces are used from an analytical perspective, but you need people, people, right? You need people that are going to go in there and kind of almost do the investigative journalist, sit down with the users, find out how they're using that space. Because I'll be honest with you, man, sometimes the best spaces are just a big, just a big table with a lot of plugs that I can charge things and the ability to just display, you know, uh, my screen on a, you know, on a, on a display. I was gonna say I used to actually in in an office like I had a proper office and I and and I down here in Bloomington and I used to go sit in the conference room and work out of there because it was just big and spacious. That was the only reason. I had a lot of table space and it was big, so I you know just room to think. Um, kind of neither here nor there. I like a lot of the stuff. I feel like I want to know what are the integrators? Are you, are y'all integrators? Are you having these conversations with your customers? If you are, what do they look like? What kind of conversations yep. you're having? What kind of key things are you talking about? Because we are, we know wholeheartedly that this is not just about, uh, you know, a camera and a microphone and some speakers and a TV. Mm -hmm. like we're, we're far beyond that at this point. So uh, I, I think you're right. All those conversations need to be had. So are y'all having yep. them? And if so, what are they saying? Well, that will, 
kind of wrap up our uh, conference room cage match. Uh, it wasn't that bloody and it wasn't that much of a, of, a, of a bashing battle left and right. But we did get to the point of what we're getting at is that it's not necessarily an answer for technology. Technology is a part of the solution, but it's not the solution maker. And we've had endless conversations about just throwing technology at something to kind of fix it, and that doesn't work. So in this case, the design of the space and, and, and adding a scheduling component is absolutely necessary. How you address that as an integrator is the intriguing part because does it require a panel or does it require just living off in the cloud and people respecting that? If you train the people correctly, if you work with them and listen to how they ad adopt certain things, you know, I think it's easily solved by finding out, you know, what email do you use? How do you use that? Right? How busy? Show me your schedule of your daily schedule. And you can see if they are booked in conference rooms, if they're using the conference rooms as resources in Outlook, for example. Are they booked in conference rooms around the campus? Work with that. Don't try to create. That's the hardest part, is trying to invent something new and force feeding. And I think that's probably one of the hardest things. So, Joe, to wrap this up, man, give me your final thoughts. It's your article. It's me unjustly putting you in the hot seat a couple weeks ago. I think I got an understanding of where you were at. It was not, a, I apologize. I apologized online. I'm going to do it again. I apologize for making it a tech issue for any company who makes LCD panels that sit outside a room. I apologize to you guys too. I'm sure there's a great uh, use and purpose to it. I would love to see more dual purpose stuff of that. You know, if it's not being used for just telling me the name and date and who's in that room, maybe I can be doing some uh, digital signage and advertising that we have the turkey dinner special at the cafeteria and uh, happy birthday to John and so on and so forth. So, you know, let's let's figure this out. Let's work on it. I don't have any hate for the technology, the technology that goes into the space. It's just, it was more of a cultural you know, anger because I tried and it didn't work. And then I tried again. And it's a very, very hard explanation when somebody demanded that you put these panels in and then nobody uses them. And then, you know, by default, you get the blame, right? Uh, I told, you know, I could have told you that these panels weren't going to do it, but you needed to do the adoption on the cultural side of the business from the top down. So Joe, your final thoughts. Oh, I mean, I appreciate the platform. I have no problem with scheduling panels and I actually love them because, uh, I'm just a little bit of a nerd in that sense, but I do, <laughs> Chris, is, Chris is correct. I do think cultural adoption at a lot of companies and places where these are used is uh, slim to none, unfortunately. So. I'd really love to hear what uh, all our integration partners and, and all the other AV tweeps kind of kind of think about it. And so, yep. if scheduling panels aren't the tool, then uh, what is? What is? You know, I, I I have one that I in mind, and I would love to hear some other ones. So, that's that's where it's at. I think there's going to be a follow up article coming. There you go. That's the best way to, uh, to 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 handle it. Joe, where can more people find your article? Where can they find out more about you? And uh, just yeah. give us the the four one one. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Joe D in AV. It's all one word. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, Joe Dunbar. Uh, and certainly that article uh, was in SCN, last month's SCN, and uh, well, I suppose it's still this month, technically. Um, mm -hmm. I'm already in August. Um, so yeah, at me. Uh, let me know your thoughts. Like, Let's keep this conversation going because I certainly get a lot out of it, and I hope uh, other folks do as well. 
Wow. And uh, and I apologize to anybody who didn't understand the reference 411. That was that's like Gen X and uh, older. That would be our Google back in the day. Yeah. Uh, so I'm um, sorry. I have to apologize for that, too. There have been a lot of apologies happening on this uh, aviation special. Where do people What's at that? You? where do people at you? Like what would oh, at you say? Yeah. So you guys can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore Neto. You can see me doing uh, the Midwich Live broadcast as well. I appear on a couple different things. I am friends with Joe. Contrary to popular belief, this was never staged and this was never me coming after Joe. It was just a discussion that I should have had prior to the show and to get a better understanding. Uh, thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. Uh, this has been an Aviation special. I wish I can pronounce it better, but today I my something is just not working right. This has been an Aviation special. My name's Chris Neto. I was not the host, but I was partially responsible for the mess that I started on the internet. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Aviation, and thank you, Tim Albright, for giving us the opportunity to do this. This has been an Aviation special.